Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's become something of a tradition on this program to devote some time around Valentine's Day to the issue of heart disease. It's Heart Awareness Month. The heart is a familiar symbol of love, but a diseased organ can also kill. With me in studio to talk about diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of heart disease is Dr. Andrew Cates, cardiologist at the Washington University Heart Care Institute at Barnes Jewish Hospital. Doctor, nice to see you again. Thanks for having me here. Ha- happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Same to you. Yeah. Uh, doctor, uh, it's about a year ago that we talked, That's as right. mentioned. Uh, what's, what sort of progress has been made in your field so, in that year? Um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of new recommendations that have come out as far as how we treat heart disease and some of the recommendations for treating some of the risk factors for heart disease. I always like to start off, though, with a reminder to everybody just what we're talking about when it comes to heart disease and cardiovascular disease. When we think about cardiovascular disease, we talk about heart disease and stroke and heart failure and peripheral vascular disease. And the reason why I'm here and why this is American Heart Month is we need to do as much as we can to help raise awareness, realizing it's the leading cause of death in the U.S. One-third of people who die in the U.S. die from cardiovascular disease. It's about 800,000 people per year, about a quarter are from heart disease. It's more than all forms of cancer and lung disease combined. 92 million U.S. adults have some form of heart disease, so that's why we're here, and that's why we're working so hard to make improvements. And we've had changes in guidelines for treating hypertension. We're, we've had changes in recommendations for as we treat cholesterol. There are new advances being made in cholesterol treatment options, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, and, uh, and much more being done as we help raise awareness for the importance of treating cardiovascular disease. And it needs to be pointed out that uh, while it can't be stopped entirely, it is, it is preventable to a very large degree, isn't it? That, that's right. And, and part of mm-hmm. where we look towards prevention is, first of all, is raising awareness is key. And we come to realize there was a study that came out just last week, actually, that, that looked at a, a survey in about 1,000 men and women and asked them, just trying to get a sense of what their awareness was for heart disease and realizing that people are grossly underaware. Many people don't know what the risk factors are, and that's, again, one of the reasons why, why I'm here today. Many people don't know what the risk factors are. And actually, it was interesting, people more likely to know what their bank balance was than what their blood pressure was. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of gets to the fact that we need to do more to raise awareness. And um, there are many misperceptions out there related to blood pressure and cholesterol and hypertension. Such as? Well, I think many people don't realize the importance of hypertension. So we talk, we think about hypertension and one thing we will talk about is the new guidelines that came out just uh, last month or about two months ago from the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, looking at um, how we treat and what the recommendations are for treating hypertension and realizing that partly with these new guidelines, it changed the definition for who has hypertension. And, and with that, there was much concern raised that, that people be labeled as having high blood pressure and what that means for them. And, and realizing, though, b- by making it aware that people have hypertension really helps us target those people for treatment. And treatment doesn't necessarily need to be treatment with with drugs, with, with, with pharmacologic agents, but treatment with lifestyle changes. So as we think about uh, this, and we can take a, a dive into the hypertension guidelines, realizing the definition now for hypertension, normal blood pressure is less than 120 over 80, elevated is between 120 and 129. Hypertension now, stage one hypertension is defined as blood pressure between 130 139 over uh, over 80 over 89 and stage two is over greater than 140 over 90 and with that change more people are now labeled as having hypertension but importantly with that change a significant proportion of those people newly diagnosed now with hypertension they're going to be targeted for lifestyle changes and that's key in helping 
address this issue of, uh, of hypertension, which is such an important risk factor for, for coronary disease but most, and, and most, heart failure. Most people aren't aware of what their blood pressure is. Unless they go to the doctors and they're having <clears throat> specifically taken it, they don't have devices at home, most well, people. Well, so interesting, too, and, and with these guidelines, what's stressed also is the importance of blood pressure evaluation, even outside the, do- the physician's office mm-hmm. or the health care provider's office. So with that stress and the importance of home blood pressure monitoring or another thing called ambulatory blood pressure monitoring, but people can get their blood pressure checked either at their local pharmacy. They can buy a blood pressure cuff or monitor from, from the store. They can even go to their, 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 the nearest fire station. The, the fire stations have blood pressure monitors or blood pressure cuffs, and there are paramedics or, or EMTs can check blood pressure there too. So there are many ways to monitor or have one's blood pressure checked. And also, again, with, uh, as our guidelines have evolved, realizing the importance of early screening for cholesterol, for blood pressure, for obesity, early education regarding smoking, all these efforts target what we call primordial prevention, preventing the risk factors that lead to cardiovascular disease. If you have elevated blood pressure, do you feel it? No, and that's a th- thank you for asking that. Uh, that's one of the concerns, of course, is that blood pressure has taken on the moniker of the, the silent killer. People aren't aware that they have high blood pressure many times until it's too late. And many times people make the presumption that uh, because they don't feel it, they don't ha- it's not an issue. And also one of the concerns that comes up is that people being labeled as having hypertension or, being, or needing to be on medications is that it's punishment for it. And, and it's not. The whole goal of treating people with hypertension is to help them long-term to help prevent the, the complications that we see with hypertension. Is hypertension likely to cause a stroke or cardiac arrest, right. or what, what's the outcome? So hypertension mm-hmm. causes a lot of different uh, problems. It can cause, lead to heart failure. It can lead to coronary disease. It can lead to stroke. It can lead to peripheral vascular disease and kidney failure. So all those conditions can result from hypertension. And again, and to come back to, to the issue of what we do to help treat it and address it early, lifestyle changes are key. We know about weight loss being helpful in reducing blood pressure, sodium restriction, increasing physical activity, limiting alcohol consumption. All these factors really do help reduce blood pressure. And for, for many people who are labeled now as having hypertension, those factors, those lifestyle changes alone may be enough to help prevent them from needing to be on drug therapy to help reduce blood pressure. So there's much that can be done before for many people before they get to medications. Uh, but again, the whole purpose, we treat those numbers not just to treat numbers. Same with, with cholesterol. We don't treat numbers just for the sake of treating them. We treat them for the specific reason of helping reduce cardiovascular complications, cardiovascular events, death, and, and improve, uh, improve uh, lifestyle, uh, lifestyle as well. Uh, exercise, of course, is uh, something that's very, very beneficial, but how much exercise is enough? Right. So, so the recommendations for, for exercise, first, I, I think, first and foremost, is being active is, is important. When it comes to specific recommendations, um, which in general recommended is, is 75 to 90 minutes per week of moderate intensity activity, and that can be walking, it can be jogging, it can be swimming, something that, that in general gets one's heart rate up to, to typically to a specific level. But, but again, it's the idea of at least moderate intensity activity and at least starting. 
It, it means that you don't necessarily have to go to a gym and pump iron no, or be a triathlete no, so or anything see, no, like that. No, no again, and, and the idea is, uh, is first of all, just increasing physical activity. And, and so many um, um, people don't have any significant physical activity um, at, that they engage in. And I take care of many patients who go out and, and their intentions are good, right? That They'll buy a, 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 um, a, a, a a bike, a stationary bike, or they'll buy a treadmill, and it sits there in their room or downstairs, and it, it's a great place to put clothes on, or they'll join a gym around New Year's, and, and they don't use it. Honestly, I mean, walking is a great way to start. And then beyond that, though, certainly joining a gym is good, something that's going to have you get you motivated, but realizing buying it's a great idea, but using it's far more important. You mentioned alcohol being a potential problem, but we also hear that having a glass or two of, of, of red wine could be beneficial. Right. So, so in, in general, the recommendations are for, for people – Well, first of all, for people who drink moderate, intent, moderate alcohol consumption is key. And what's been recommended is that's usually one drink for women or two drinks for men. Uh, just based upon body weight and some other, some other issues. Um, but it's not recommended that people drink just for the cardiovascular benefits. So if you drink, drink in moderation. But we don't recommend people drink just because of the potential cardiovascular benefits. Importantly, because more time is lost, more work is lost, more health more healthcare issues arise from overconsumption of alcohol than, than I think can be attributed to the potential benefits of alcohol consumption. Well, it is approaching, uh, we are approaching Valentine's Day, and we also hear that chocolate, right. which will be in abundance, <laughs> I think, so, over the next week or 10 right. days or so, is also good yeah. for you. And, and you know, as, as, as a wise man once said, everything in moderation, including moderation, right? right. So, so there are um, potential benefits uh, to uh, dark chocolate. Um, one must remember, though, that there are also cal- caloric consequences <laughs> to, to to chocolate as well, too. So, so with that, with alcohol as well, is is the importance of realizing that there may be some benefit um, to those. Um, foods, but realize that there are also caloric consequences as well. So, not not to take away all the fun, but if, as I say, if you're going to have enjoy a glass of wine, make sure it's a good glass. A good glass of wine. If you're going to enjoy good chocolate, enjoy good chocolate, but but in moderation. I, I'd like to open up the lines to uh, listeners. I'm sure they have, there are many questions out there, so we have time for calls, folks. If you want to come in at three eight two eight two five five or three eight two talk. You can send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. Let's go back to the smoking because any time I go to the doctors, uh, regardless of, of what kind of specialty you've been involved, the first question always is, do you smoke? What is it specifically about smoking that is detrimental to the, the heart? Yeah. So there are long-term consequences related to, to smoking that uh, have be, are, are well-established. Um, related to the um, related to the the, uh, the addictive effects of nicotine, but then the, the direct effects, the carcinogenic effects of of, of smoking, um, we see such a strong correlation between coronary artery disease, between uh, development of, of cardiomyopathy related to smoking. Um, the importance, as we th- see with smoking, though, is that we know that for patients who quit, what, what I stress is I talk with patients who have coronary disease who do smoke is the importance of smoking cessation and how beneficial it is to quit. Typically, when I see a patient who does smoke and has had an event, be it a heart attack or if they're newly diagnosed with heart failure, is that by quitting on day one, their risk of having a recurrent cardiac event related to smoking goes down dramatically by quitting. It's cut in half over the course of the first year. And over the course of, of 10 years, if they stay quit from smoking, then their risk goes down to essentially someone who hasn't smoked at all. 
Also importantly, though, we stress when it comes to smoking cessation is the challenges that are faced with smoking cessation. Of course, it's incredibly addictive. And the importance of using help to quit smoking, first of all, being motivated is key. Secondly, utilizing pharmacologic therapy is very appropriate. We know from good studies that have been done that using a drug to help you quit smoking, if it's the patch or if it's some other pharmacologic agent, that is very beneficial in helping patients quit smoking. So it's okay to have help, and um, in, in many ways, it, it's really key to being to quitting. We have a caller here who wants to go back to the issue of uh, hypertension. So let's bring in Jack. He's calling from St. Louis. Jack, thanks for being with us. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Is there any examples of drug resistance for hypertension? I'll be prescribed a, a series of drugs, six months, eight months, I'm doing fine. And then I continue the treatment, but then there goes my blood pressure back up again. Is there drug-resistant hypertension? Sure. Jack, that's a great question. So there, there is an entity called treatment-resistant hypertension, and there are different definitions, but in general, the definition for treatment-resistant hypertension or somebody, is somebody who's on at least three different medications, three different classes of blood pressure medications who still have high blood pressure, or if they're on four and even if they have well-controlled blood pressure. And there are various reasons why people have treatment-resistant hypertension. Sometimes there are secondary causes that contribute to it, like sleep apnea, um, there can be also some hormonal problems that can cause treatment-resistant hypertension. Um, many times there are some people that just, quite frankly, have very difficult to control blood pressure, and the addition of a, further drugs can help lower blood pressure, but also treating different factors as well. So treating sleep apnea can help modify blood pressure. If, if uh, people who are overweight, again, with, with weight loss, that can help reduce blood pressure. Sodium restriction other factors that we talked a little bit earlier. But but absolutely, there is a, a very well-known entity called treatment-resistant hypertension that's challenging. We do recommend that those people who need that many medications to help control their blood pressure be seen by a hypertension specialist um, and can help with uh, but between dosing different medications differently, combinations of medications, in addition of some, some more advanced therapies. Are there any early symptoms that people should be uh, aware of to, that, that could indicate uh, a problem? Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as symptoms to be aware of uh, for, for, for heart disease, we've, we talk about the classic symptoms for angina or chest pain symptoms or symptoms that may be due to coronary artery disease, chest tightness or pressure or chest pain with exertion or exertional shortness of breath. Um, I, I think more importantly, though, is actually is, is knowing if you're at risk as well, too. And we talk about the traditional risk factors for heart disease, if it's hypertension or diabetes, smoking high cholesterol, if you're overweight, if you don't exercise. Genetics. But also, also yeah, exactly, knowing family history too. So I always, I talk about the treatable ones first, and then we talk about the, the ones that you can't, uh, the modifiable ones and when, the ones you can't control, like genetics, like family history. And family history is important, knowing your family history. And we talk about the risk for people with a family history really being people who have early heart disease in their family. So in general, if, if, um, if you have somebody, uh, a family member, Excuse me. If it's if it's a male family member before age fifty five or female before age sixty five, parent, sibling, uh, and multiple family members affected too, that we know really does increase your risk of heart disease. So knowing if you have a family history is key, but also risk factors are so important too. 
You know, we haven't mentioned this today, but we have in the past. Um, it surprises a lot of people to learn that that women are at great risk. It's a, it's a, uh, it's the uh, most yeah. prominent cause of death in women. It, it is, and and that's something that is always important to highlight. Uh, last Friday was National Go Red for Women Day, um, and uh, over, uh, reinforcing the importance of heart disease and cardiovascular disease in women. Uh, just as you said, m- more women die from cardiovascular disease and other, uh, um, than m- most other leading causes combined. Uh, and raising awareness is so important, um, and that's, that's what this is, this is all about. Um, interesting, too, j- something that just came out last week um, highlighted two key health issues in women, cardiovascular disease and breast cancer. It was a publication from the American Heart Association, one of the, the scientific papers, discussing the, the association of breast cancer and cardiovascular disease. So we take cardiovascular disease, which is the leading cause of death, but breast cancer, which most women identify as their main concern for, for, de- for, for dying and for health care problems, and realizing that breast cancer actually does increase the risk of heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um, certain types of chemo that, that women may get who have breast cancer, radiation when the heart's in the field, may result in higher risk of, of, of heart disease. But also some of the risk factors are common, be it age, uh, poor diet, family history, physical inactivity, tobacco use, common risk factors also. So reinforcing the important link there as well, too. Another caller uh, it brings up a subject I wanted to get to, and that's Dave. Dave, you're on the air with the, the doctor. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to ask Dr. Cates if he could comment a little bit about the fact that uh, we know that heart disease is something that probably starts in childhood, even even in young children. So I wanted to have him talk about that and then maybe give us uh, parents some suggestions about uh, ways that we can have kids uh, live a heart-healthier lifestyle, uh, perhaps especially talk about diet issues, reducing sugar, and, and uh, things like that. Yeah. Good, Dave. Well, thank thanks. you. Dave, that, that's great. So th- that really is important. So y- you are right. <clears throat> I mean, we, we talk about um, heart disease being an important concern really throughout, throughout one's life. Um, we see that in kids especially, the, the, the risk factors for heart disease really start to develop. As far as seeing heart disease, and I, I presume you're talking about coronary artery disease at this point, as far as seeing that manifest in kids, we don't see it all that often unless there are some really uh, very um, usually genetically triggered conditions. Um, but the, the building blocks for heart disease start early. So as far as childhood obesity, which can lead to hypertension and diabetes, that that's an important concern. We talk about um, uh, other uh, habits that people have with physical inactivity and certainly smoking that can start in, in, in uh, teenagers is an important consideration also. When it comes to diet, honestly, I, I think what, what we've done too, we, we like to, to realize the importance of counseling for, from dietitians and nutritionists to really help kids understand um, just how important a balanced diet is and an understanding the association of, of, of childhood obesity with the risk of developing things like diabetes and hypertension. Another caller, and time is running down, so I'll ask Cortland in St. Louis to be brief with this question. He wants to bring us back to the issue of smoking. Go ahead, Cortland. Okay. Um, is it just gene-related that some people can smoke for till they're 90 and some yeah. end up with cancer till they're 40, at, at, Cor- at 40 or 50? Cortland, what a, what a great question to ask. And, and I think this is the... the, the um, the biggest challenge with smoking is not everybody who smokes dies from cancer or heart disease at an early age. It would have been a, would make a much stronger argument to tell people to quit smoking if everybody who smoked died early. So I, I'm sure there's some protective effects that people have. I, I don't know the genetics behind that. Um, that. That being said, if 
uh, my advice to people who don't smoke is it's not worth taking that chance. Thanks. Sir. Thanks. <laughs> in, in the time that we have left, when when should a person be thinking? At what age should a person be thinking about? Having that regular checkup yeah, to so, be sure that they don't have this problem. Yeah, I, I, honestly, um, evaluation starts early. We we recommend that uh, patients or individuals, even in their their teens, be be evaluated or screened uh, by their pediatrician if there's any concern for for um, especially for cholesterol problems running in the family. But certainly, having your cholesterol checked in your early twenties or even late teens mm-hmm. may be appropriate if there's concerns for again for family history. Um, and having your blood pressure checked annually is is important. Annually, so uh, I, I would. Yeah. Well, it, it, oh, it, it so, changes day to day. So, I mean, well, well, not for 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 young people, but no. I think for for certainly people as you get older. Is is there a good website that you could recommend, doctor, for people to go and and, and learn more about the things we've been talking yeah, about? Yes. So, so there are many websites. The American Heart Association has a good website. WebMD actually has some good information. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the the uh, WashU website has some good educational information as well, too. 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. What do you want people to take you, away from our discussion? You know, I think I, I would tell people, again, be aware of your risk factors. Know your numbers. Um, there's, there is more. I, I wish we had more time to talk today. There's actually a lot of other new medications on the horizon um, that we'll be hearing about um, in the near future. Um, we, we talked a little bit about, about obesity, and I'd love to take a deeper dive into that, too. There's so much out there related to obesity and the way we can treat um, in, with lifestyle changes to help, to help reduce uh, overall cardiovascular risk. Well, folks so. can go online at least get started on that. We'll have you back again. We, 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 what a year this time. I know. Andrew Cates, Great. thank you. Thanks Doctor. for having me again. Thanks Always a pleasure. Here. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.